this is Solid Snake. And you know, when a soldier's on the battlefield, all he thinks is, who's next? Who's next podcast? Groovy. go ahead and get started here um uh, we're not gonna do losing lives today we're just gonna do an episode there's actually a good bit of topics and stuff to cover and a lot on alan wake and uh, uh yeah. we'll do the resident evil movie we talked about on the next go around yeah uh, it's we'll... supposed to be a halloween episode for freaking uh yeah no yeah. Uh, you know you're a little late on that yeah nope <sighs> It won't be. It's fine. I'm not that worried about doing a Halloween episode or anything like that. It's all good. Um, let's see. We should do the we should do the Resident Evil thing, and then we also should probably. I ended up watching when my daughter wanted to the Five Nights at Freddy, so uh, that came of- straight to streaming on yeah. Peacock, I think. I so, <clears throat> yeah. anyway. Um, yes, this is Who's Next Podcast. So we have, of course, Mr. Kevin with me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's been some time in, in the landscape of gaming. Um, I think one of the biggest things going around is, like, Spider-Man 2, which is cool, but I haven't played it. Have you been watching or seen anything about it? Uh, a little bit. It's not something that, uh, has been catching, like, a lot of my attention, but I see people playing it here and there. Yeah, yeah. My son runs in. And he'll be like, "Oh, I just did this. Oh, I just did that." And I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that's cool. You know, um, I mean, it sounds dope. I know. Right. Um, uh, shout out to Nerds. Jesse's been been playing a good bit of it. Um, so that, that's cool. Um, I haven't really been in the loop on that. I just know that it's um, kind of been the talk of the town. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out. So it's it's there's a lot going around. To, to catch people's attention, so it's uh, you know, it's definitely a, definitely a rough one. Um, tell you what, there's just a little snippet. It's been kind of funny. Is the uh, <laughs> the recent update to Mortal Kombat is fucking like changed the game pretty drastically. <laughs> I, yeah, I heard that that they they completely changed the balance of the game. Not only did they uh, nerf uh, Cyrax and uh. Like a lot of the overpowered things, but they buffed Johnny Cage, didn't they? And like, there's like a lot more Johnny Cages now. Yeah, I don't know if they buffed him that much. I find that kind of odd. I saw what they did to Johnny. It wasn't much, and I don't even know if I would consider that much of a buff. Um, I mean, his biggest thing is um, the thing about Johnny is everybody's like, oh, he got plus frames, he got plus frames, and, and he could set up some good traps, especially with Cyrax. And that's that's true. It is pretty OP. But, you know, you could do a keep-away game on Johnny, and uh, he's got tools to get around it. So it's not like you can just, like, keep him back and he's not a problem. He can still get in, right. but he's still got to work for it on that. And also, a lot of his big combo starters... 
are um are highs meaning that if you just duck them like without blading you're taking a risk but if you you can they can be ducked they can and they can they i've noticed that low punch has also been able to stop people from just running in on those uh those attacks because they hit high and um they're not as fast as your like crouching punch so i i don't know man like yeah johnny's got some great mix-ups and shit like that for sure but he also suffers from the nerf from Cyrax on some of the combos he's been able to do. Because Cyrax got nerfed all hell. Um, yeah. At least for the his helicopter. Because everybody abused yeah. that helicopter spin with Cyrax. That's what had to yeah, get nerfed. Yeah, it takes like a whole bar now. And it, uh, it like, yeah. they, they, they up the cooldown on it. So it takes longer to recharge. Yep. Yep. Because yeah. people were, were doing two helicopters back to back or something like that. Especially with like Raiden. And it was just doing obscene, just obscene damage between. Yeah. With that. Well, not not. I'm sorry. No, they weren't connected because the helicopter is hard to connect into more combos. Like you connect it, but it's it's a weird thing when they do the combo in the air. But what they were doing is the block stun stuff, and that's actually what helps like nerf Johnny a bit because a lot of Johnny's like plus frame traps are with Cyrax constant helicoptering. But now that that's been nerfed a bit. It kind of balanced out Johnny some on the negative, but not not completely. I'm not saying that. Um, but yeah, uh, Reptile actually got a buff. He he actually does a little more damage with with some of the combo strings he's got now, which was pretty interesting. I think he needed it because Reptile um, doesn't have as great mix up game, and. Right. Um, he could have used a little more damage output whenever you are able to catch someone. Yeah, it wasn't a significant uh, bump, but it it was noticeable. Um, but yeah, the Cyrax nerf was great. The helicopter abuse. I mean, you see so many scrubs online. <sighs> Raiden's fucking Raiden's Johnny's and uh, Baraka's, and then Cyrax. Just always the the lamest team. You know, like, yeah, whatever. It ends up becoming more the, you know, the top teams. And um, when people know what to do with them, like, I'm not saying that they're necessarily that lame. But, like, whenever you play online and you run across Raiden Cyrax, or especially Baraka Cyrax, Baraka Cyrax, Johnny K Cyrax, you just kind of roll your eyes. Cause you, but a lot of times, too, people who are scrubs and don't know what they're doing you, you can figure that shit out and get around it because the you know they play it stupid so you can fuck them up i felt like raiden was the four worst one though because raiden had lows and mid attacks that he can combo into big damage and it just took one touch and that was it you taking 400 damage with johnny <sighs> He even still struggles to hit the 400 number a bit. Unless he got the full star power. Then he's rocking. But um, he struggles for the 400 unless you, you abuse in like Cyrax or something like that. In some way. And even that you can't. You don't really. I haven't really seen too many people abuse it to that nature with Johnny. Not like with Raiden. With Raiden it was absurd. Raiden and Baraka. Both of them were absurd with the damage output. It was obnoxious right so i'm glad to see that those nerfs happen that was pretty good 
I'd have to say. I'd have to say that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, just a small mention there for, um, yeah, big update patch that drastically changed, like, a few characters that really just changed the meta of, like, you know, the, uh, the tier list for everything. So, um, fun times, fun times in Mortal Kombat. We'll see how this all shakes out. (laughs) Um... Yeah, there's a few things here that I got on hand that I thought was interesting before we get into what we've been playing. And a big point, just so you know up top, I am going to be getting into Alan Wake 2 uh, quite a bit. <laughs> right, yeah, uh, I, I already knew. I already knew. That, yeah. that is a very interesting game <laughs> so far. As I hear fantastic. there's a lot of dicks. Uh, there is. Uh, it's probably... it. It. I haven't beat it yet. But it's quite possibly my game of the year, I think. I didn't think it would be either, because I wasn't really big on Alan Wake, the first one, playing it earlier this year. And um, Alan Wake 2 almost wasn't going to get. Like, I was just, eh, whatever, you know. But then Silent Hill got pushed back, because it was thought that Silent Hill 2 was going to come out, the remake was going to come out around this time. And doesn't look like it. it's probably next year. Well, not de- it's definitely next year. Um, so, but I mean, like we had RE4 remake. We had um, Dead Space remake. There's a lot of good stuff. But you know, these remakes are remakes. They're retreading stuff we've already played. I mean, they're definitely sprucing it up and you know making it. I would say you know better in a lot of cases. But. Um, Fuck, man. Anyways, now before we go down that rabbit hole, um, a few stories I definitely yeah. want to um, get into here. One I thought was interesting is um, uh, the Kotaku or- article I sent you about Capcom uh, PC game mods are uh, cheating. I sent you that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you do more PC gaming and stuff like that. So I figured you could go ahead. I would find it's interesting what you have to say about this. I'm going to try and pull the quotes. Um, As people know, there's a big mod scene on PC. A lot of people like to modify games. Whether it be things like in Resident Evil, they'll turn uh, Mr. X into like Thomas the Train. And, and, you know, you'll have little videos of, like, Thomas the Train going around the, the police station trying to get you. Or, right. you well, know. Like, uh, the, R, the uh, like RE4 remake, one of the big mods is you can replace uh, the chainsaw guy with Shrek, yeah. uh, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, there's different mods where you can, like, you can replace Leon with, like, Mario and shit like that. And, like, Ada with Princess Peach. Like, a Princess Peach model. So, like, there's, there's some... Um, there's there's a bunch of different mods out there. Yep. So uh, here's a quote here for the and this is from a, a, a representative of Capcom. I'm trying to see who exactly the name is because this was spotted by Games Radar during an October 25th Capcom R&D presentation about its game engine cheating and piracy. The company claims that mods are no different than cheats. So quote. For the purposes of anti-cheat and anti-piracy, all mods are defined as cheats, Capcom explains. The only exception to those are mods which are 
a fish quote officially supported by the developer and as Capcom sees it, all user created mods are quote internally no different than cheating. Capcom goes on to say that some mods with offensive content can be detrimental to a game or franchise's reputation. The publisher also explained that mods can create new bugs and lead to more players needing support, stretching resources, and leading to increased game development costs or even de- or even delays. Um, I will note the Capcom article puts in parentheses as some, um, I guess this is the person who's writing the article's take. In parentheses, I can't help but feel my eyes start to roll, you know, hearing this is what he says. Yeah. Oh, hold on one second. I need to pause real quick. Sure, no problem. Right no problem. Boom, we're back. Sorry about that. Um, okay, anyways, um, to finish the article here, the the guy writing this from Kotaku says, still Capcom does have a point, or girl, actually, I shouldn't. Yeah, I'm not sure who it is. Uh, still, Capcom does have a bit of a point that on a technical level, mods and cheats are pretty similar, and trying to create multiplayer games that block cheating but allow modding seems like a tricky, ever-moving tightrope to walk, and Capcom isn't outright saying that mods are bad or that the company is against them. In the presentation, Capcom admits that the majority of mods can have a positive impact on the game. Uh, however, it's still worrying that it seems to group mods and cheats into one technical bucket, especially considering how many single-player games Capcom publishes. Can you cheat in a single-player game? I mean, yes, you can give yourself infinite ammo or health, but it doesn't hurt anybody else. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what's your viewpoint on this, Mr. Uh, Kevin? I can kind of see uh, what they're saying. Like, from a technical standpoint, yeah, I agree. Like, mods are no different than cheats. Uh, because, you know, they're both things that... Uh, people are doing on their own that's not meant to be done with the code and like the programming and stuff of the game right um so uh from that from that point of view you know yeah they're they're, they're kind of the same right like you're splitting hairs to try to say okay well i'm allow like good mods and stuff like that but like if people are being able to manipulate their code well then naturally they're going to be able to cheat as well mm-hmm. All right. yeah i mean technically yes um. Yeah, you know it's interesting. There was a there was a whole philosophy about this with um, id Software back when in the early days when it started with uh, John Carmack. He felt like people like once the game's out there and they pay the money for the game, it's theirs. And if they want to fuck around with the code and mod or do whatever, they were left it open to allow people to do that, and that kind of helped with the popularity of that game. Um, that was like their viewpoint on it. Where somebody like Nintendo, I feel like, tries to do more to lock that down and not have those things happen because they want more control. There's a there's a fine line, I guess, on that too. About because like one of the things they try to say is about it hurts the um, the IP or something like that to some degree. Like you know, I guess if you have a bunch of images of people modding, you know. Tifa in a thong running around punching like and those become <laughs> you know very publicly shared images to some degree um it I guess it kind of taints 
like maybe that character where they become a joke like it's hard to not see that anymore if like it becomes like the meme right if it becomes the thing then every time you try to position something in a kind of more serious way like you know ff7 just using that for instance um the messaging becomes a little harder because as you go through your comment section you know it's <laughs> it's just everybody referencing the mod thing right um but i don't know how much that really hurts anything so and i don't know i feel like yeah. it's just more oh, yeah. on on people and how serious they want to take these like yeah. works of art i guess um yeah because like um <laughs> it's like the nude mods or like uh, like you can equate it to kind of like rule 34 right like any character mm -hmm. that even has like a monochrome of popularity has like rule 34 made about them yeah. somewhere on the internet yeah. right so like that's like an artistic expression like you can't really stop that because it's like it's it's fair use right like people can use the, these characters to kind of express themselves right yeah but then with, with something like a mod you know if they're modifying in a like an efficiently released product i guess it becomes a little grayer and like a because like you have like nude mods and games and shit and like and they kind of i don't know they it hurts might hurt their branding a little bit because it, it puts it in the game and everything that they're kind of sexualizing their characters and everything or you know and they're trying to and you know companies they're going to want to try to keep you know a, a more family friendly approach and it kind of it gives the the game well, and like I think the it depends on the, the title game. if they want the family friendly approach, right? Well, yeah, it, it really, but I'm just it, saying it, it gives, depends, the, it gives I mean, the game and the community around it a different kind of tint when yeah. a, a community starts making nude mods. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but those things end up being passed around like hotcakes from time to time. I mean, um, yeah. You know, you get I I come across them not necessarily nude but close to it at least just even on Facebook and stuff people will cut together something of like I don't know like uh, Resident Evil Four and Ashley in like her underwear running around with Leon or something without a shirt <laughs> you know something stupid um you, you you catch things like that that people do and put out for for the clicks you know I mean everybody's gonna abuse everything to some degree to get. I mean, it it is, and I don't. It it kind of becomes the problem with the industry of uh, um, content creation, like right. the industry that's built out of that. But it's the necessary devil in that sense, because whatever bad could come of it, it more good comes out of it because um, it popularizes things and gets more people involved with wanting that yeah. thing. And, and like, and it, it, there's a ton of mods out there that help extend the life of games beyond what they normally would, right? Because when developers, yeah. you know, they can't support a game forever. No, but the community yeah. kind of can't through mods. Right? They can, but and not only that, they can also give some inspiration for different directions to take future titles in the same area. Well, yeah. I think Dark Souls has done that, or um, at least FromSoft, if I'm not mistaken, has taken some inspiration from mods and things like that and they've kind of put that in their game if i'm not mistaken right yeah yeah like they definitely from looking at elden ring mm -hmm. i think they kind of looked at the, what the community was doing with their mods because they don't officially endorse the mods because like mm -hmm. i said um uh, technically from a technical perspective yeah like it creates 
balancing problems. And then there was that cheat exploit uh, a long while back that they had to disable online because people could hack into your fucking computer through the game because of the... Uh, I remember the, that, yeah. Yeah. And I guess that goes to the point of the dangers of the mods, I guess, too, because, yeah. But honestly, yeah, so if they're not officially endorsed, that's on the user. You don't have to download the mod. That's on you. You, t you yeah. rolling that dice. Yeah, but they definitely took uh, inspiration from some of the expansion mods that uh, some, you know, modding teams created and just kind of looked at what people were doing to kind of see what you know what was popular and what people wanted and they kind of you know took it and they kind of made their own ideas out of it which is it's it's good like i said like modding can support a game i think a lot more than it can kind of hurt it just um i guess you got to kind of keep an eye on it like like from soft like they watch it they watch what's happening with it and everything but i don't really think there's any reason to kind of crack down so fucking hard on it kind of like like nintendo does right there was a there was already i kind of see why nintendo did this because in order to have mods in their games you got to start emulating their freaking switch games and shit so you're 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 committing piracy there you're stealing mm. from them mm. right so they kind of got a point with that but even like some of the older games like uh there's like super mario world hacks and like the oh the good a good example the uh the metroid 2 remake Right, there was this Metroid 2 remake that people had did before the one that Nintendo put out, um, and it was just about ready for release. But Nintendo sent in a cease and desist because uh, I think mostly because everybody says it's because they were getting ready to release um, their remake. Yeah, right? well, they did the same thing with Resident Evil. Capcom did that with um, the guys who ended up doing uh, Daymare. They were doing a RE2 remake, and Capcom was doing one. They're like, "Hey, man, stop that!" But you know what? Y'all can make your own game, and then we got right. the Daymare games. Yeah. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's the good. That, I think that's the good approach to that. You know, but like I said, it's it, it can be a gray area. But I do think mods generally support games, and most modders are more ethical than they are, you know, nefarious. So, I like the modding scene. It's one of the things I like best about the PC gaming on pc you know yeah. add so much add a lot of value a lot of free value to your game yeah no i, I would definitely agree to that it's um yeah I, I mean it depends on how much you really want i mean i don't know for me i feel like if i had a studio like that my approach would be so hands-off I, I would mimic more of id software's approach than um yeah. nintendo's let's say of like, yeah, have fun with it, man. Like, you paid the money into it. If you want to just fucking break the game on your computer and do whatever, fuck, I don't care. You know, as long as you're not, like, trying to pivot this as, like, official or, you know, make, you know, all this money off of something like that. No. You know, like, now, if you want to make it through, you know, content, then, yeah, that's fine, right? But... You don't need to be selling your mods to my game like that, or something like that. That that could get dicey for sure. Yeah, that, that, like you can, you shouldn't be able to sell your mods. Like, yeah. that's why a lot of modding teams that do it, they'll say that, oh well, if you want to support our team, you can make a donation to us. Yeah, you know, and that's team. That's fine too. Donate whatever. Yeah. I mean, they you know use use the loopholes through it. It's just a way to kind of like not officially sell and that can cause i can see too some confusion yeah. about like 
what is official and not and blah 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 whatever so yeah, maybe and also too you're just stepping on you know pulling money out of my pocket in a sense well not necessarily i don't know it's a mixed bag but i, I could at least understand more of the argument about that than about um because like th there is a point i think of it like for instance looking at um disney and they're losing their um rights on certain ips of like it's been so long whatever the law is that after a certain amount of time it becomes public domain and right. like look at the first things that's happening like um uh, winnie the pooh is like a fucking horror movie now of like pooh bear and piglet just murdering teenagers or some shit like that right Right. And so, like, that's becoming a thing. And then look at, like, fucking Pinocchio. Now we get, like, Lies of P, and, which is great. I mean, I'm not upset about it, but it is, like, let's take this thing and make it dark and edgy and kill things and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, it's going, it just turns a hard pivot into a different direction. And understandably so, because it's always been such a lighter affair. And to be honest, a lot of the actual origination of these stories have darker tints to them um if you look at some of the things like aladdin or beauty and the beast if you look at the real stories that they were based off of they're like dark as fuck so um yeah it's 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 interesting i'm glad people explore that way but to to that point like that's the way it goes it, like the kid thing becomes the adult horror thing <laughs> you know right. it seems to be at least so far so I, I understand like trying to control some of that to a degree um, to keep it like this kid friendly, keep this kind of um, viewers view of the IP in the public sphere a certain way to help right. build on the brand. Because at the end of it, there's the argument that there are a lot of people involved who work for these companies and like hurting brands and stuff to where less is like made out of it can in turn you know cost people jobs for companies that do give like health insurance and stuff because you're not going to get it working with somebody like in a mod scene getting donations right like <laughs> you're, you're not there's no healthcare system it's established in that like if you were developing a game for capcom or whatever you know blah 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 down the road just like what comes with the right. job so um you know i mean it it is a it's a weird conversation. That's why it was a conversation I wanted to have on here, looking at that article because this all came through a presentation. I believe this was part of the presentation because uh, Capcom is working on a new engine. Currently, the one that like um, Monster Hunter Rise and Resident Evil Four Remake, and like I think Devil May Cry and a lot of the other games actually have all been on the RE engine. Um, <clears throat> then they're doing a new the new engine was revealed in the presentation I think that's where this was talked about with the mod scene and all that um, they're saying this RE engine the new one is called Rex engine so Rex will include all previous features of RE while adding support for new technologies and handling the growing size of assets more efficiently so uh, new technology will be introduced into the existing engine in phases. Dragon's Dogma 2 is the next game to feature RE engine technology with a new Monster Hunter game also rumored to be on the horizon in 2024. Um, so yeah, 
but it'll probably be after that we start seeing maybe Rex stuff. But they're working on it. So, um, interesting. Uh, and kind of that's one of the stuff I've heard about um, Spider Man is that um, one of the neat things about it is looking at the game now and uh, seeing how. Um, how many more assets there are like cars running around the street, people moving around. It seems so much livelier. I've seen videos side by side of um, just how different New York looks on Spider-Man one and Spider-Man two, because with the new system, they're able to accommodate for more things going on at one time. Well, yeah, yeah so, it's a more powerful system and it's got uh, a better type of Ram and it's got DDR5 Ram and yep. you know, it's got the, uh, a faster storage system like yeah yeah no no doubt so that's interesting and it seems like you know i'll be interested to see the type of things coming with uh rex engine you know that that's going right. to be pretty dope and i'm very curious to see that as well um, yes because uh the re engine has been an amazing engine so far especially uh like we were talking about last episode about how flexible it is so yeah can't wait to see what they can do with rex yeah for sure uh, but it'll be it'll be some time before we do. Like I said, I think the next one they said is Dragon's Dogma. And that's still going to be on RE Engine. So you know, you know, you know, whatever. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? Oh, I had this too. Kind of speaking about the mod scene and stuff, and uh, pivoting off of it. It's not about the mod scene. Uh, let me see where are my notes. Um. Another Kotaku article, actually. Uh, oops. Why won't it? Ah, oh, crap. It's not pulling up for me. Uh, anyways, they were just talking about um, Metagir Solid 5's uh, Stephanie Justin. Uh, oh, IGN's covering it, too. Let's see what IGN has on it. But they're talking to her because uh, she, she uh, was the... She was a person who did quiet. I think she was the uh, the model for it, like the face model and all that. And I think she did the voice acting, but I'm not sure. And um, it's one of the things that kind of gets pointed at a lot because it's that weird thing about it happened more so back in the day. And now we're a little more woke about certain things like that. And I'm not trying to use that in a negative sense. I'm just, you know, they're more concerned about the sexualiz sexualization of women in games just as much as in comics and stuff like that as well. Where if you look at the 90s, women had giant boobs with, like, center-cut, like, shirts so their boobs were just about to pop out and you, know, you can almost cut right down right. to the vagina. Well, you had to appeal to all the teenage boys, right? Yeah, yeah. And what's the interesting conversation behind this is, like, you know, I mean, there are certain women who would definitely and do wear very revealing, seductive things like that in public, in person. I mean, it's a person's choice. Right. So, like, if you're creating a character who is that way, you know, is it is it wrong to have this? Every character have to be dressed up and and look uh, like this certain way, like on you know, like let's say. Claire, for instance, good, good shot, RE2. Uh, in the original, she had the short shorts and the jacket. In the remake, she's full jeans, pants, all that kind of stuff. And not as, like, 
curvy looking as what they tried to make her out to be in the original from the artwork in the books because you can't tell in the game because it's blocks (laughs) (laughs) but you know um so there was that i mean of course the one thing you can notice beyond the way the person dresses just the size of uh, you know the woman as far as her you know breast size ass size and all this kind of stuff are not proportionate and actual to like a person who might be like athletic and works out and fairly muscular toned who's doing action things they they're not also going to be busting out of the seams <laughs> it's just not right it's not a reality thing and like one yeah, of the things like, it's like the tifa debate right when they did a yeah. remake right and people were mad that they said they made her group smaller yeah but like if you've got you're gonna be jumping and flipping around and doing martial arts like tifa like you're gonna be wearing like uh well you're gonna be leaner wear. you're gonna be yeah. leaner and with that there'll be less fatty tissue on you and with that you will you know you're not gonna be I mean, there are, there are genetic anomalies, so it isn't always the case, but more than likely, you're not going to be as busty as that. Um, right. So, but... But also, you're going to be wearing something very constrictive, like a sports bra and stuff. You, you don't want yes, those things that too. flopping around. That yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and one of the things they brought up is apparently this has kind of reared its head again because they talked with the actor again on playing quiet and working with Kojima. And... Uh, <clears throat> She says lights on experience working on the final. Now, people don't know Metal Gear Solid Five. There was a character named Quiet, and she there was a very big sexualization about her because she was basically just about almost naked the whole time. She's basically in a bikini, and the yeah. reasoning for it though was in in the game was that she had to be that way because the way that she breathed was through her skin. So if she had all types of clothes on, it would literally suffocate her. And it was the way that she was able to be so quiet, like she couldn't, she wouldn't make a noise, and she was like a sniper. So it was yeah, kind of a. She, go ahead. Yeah, because she had like the 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 it wasn't nano machines, it was parasites in that game, from what I remember. Right? Yes. And they like they gave her like, and like some of the other soldiers, because uh, it was like an experiment that they were doing. They gave them like super soldier powers, right? But in exchange, it kind of changed them to where they uh they they breathe through their skin and shit like that but you know they could do things like they could you know turn invisible or you know, run really fast and all this other shit yeah i'm i'm gonna pull up the um article to get exact it was like some kind of parasite thing you're right about that all right here we go uh let's see recent interview of Jan. she's the face model motion actor for quiet Asked about her perspective on the overall sexualization of women in video games, whether perspective has changed on Quiet's portrayal of MGS5. In the past, uh, this actor had said, who, you know, she wears a bikini top over torn fishnets. Tactical gear has her reasons for wearing what she does. In the game, we learn Quiet suffers from a parasitic virus. The upside to the virus is that it grants her superhuman abilities like invisibility and super speed. However, the virus also makes it so she has to breathe through her skin, hence her revealing outfit. Uh, before the game's release, Hideo Kojima had said on Twitter to those questioning her design, it would be, quote, ashamed of your words and deeds upon learning the truth. Okay. (laughs) Nevertheless, the years following MGS5's release have been rife with debates about her and all this kind of stuff. Um, the, The actors said that 
She respects uh, the creative decision to make Quiet's appearance quite revealing. She sympathizes with the fans' desire for capable female characters who aren't over-sexualized. And as her quote, the game came out in 2015. And I think the video game landscape has changed quite a lot since then. People are looking for more representation, and I really get it. Quiet's outfit is not practical at all. Even with the explanation that was given of her breathing through her skin, of course, there were so many other options you could have gone with. (laughs) I do agree on that. I got to see the character artwork when we were starting motion capture. And of course, my first reaction was, that's a very revealing costume. But I respected it and accepted it. So that's basically my stance. It's fantasy, and I find that acceptable as well. But I do understand having more of a diverse representation in video games for women and all minorities is something I would encourage as well. You know, I agree. My question, though, is, is do you become diverse when you actually start morphing where everything looks the same in another direction. That almost doesn't become as diverse, other than, of course, just changing the skin color of the person, right? But if everything's just more covered up and more conservative in a certain circumstance for, like, women and stuff, or the the um, body proportion's more realistic, because to be fair... With women across the board, there is a more dynamic proportion of women. You know, they're not all normally the same. There's some averages and things like we talked about. Like if you're more athletic, your body may tend to lean more in this way. But there's also always outliers, right? And when you're talking about video games or movies or things like that, and you're dealing with superhuman characters, right? Well, they are actually outliers. That's why we're playing as them. That's why we're doing things as them. And um, they are supposed to be that. So they should be kind of weirder and wilder and, you know, X, Y, Z, right? Um, So I don't know. It's interesting. I I, kind of like her stance on it. I mean, I do think some of that stuff does get real silly. Like quiet was kind of silly. Like the way she was dressed and everything was super revealing. And it was like for your 15-year-old to go in the bathroom and jerk off when he was done playing. Like, this is literally what she was almost built looking like, right? <laughs> yeah, because like, fan service is still a very popular thing uh, in Japanese media. So, like, that's why a lot of it that you see comes, like, that stuff now is usually comes from Japan. Yeah, right? but, but there's an argument to be made, I think, um, with this that I guess there should still be some of it. Because there are just some people out there who, you know, you you know what I want to see? I want the 300-pound chick with the skin-tight outfit, fat rolls falling out, boobs about to pop out, because that's real. That's what I've seen. (laughs) I've seen that a number of times around this goddamn city. And where is that representation? Where is the giant... 400 pound three cheeseburgers in her mouth in a fucking mini skirt busting out of the tightest shirt you can find with like fat rolls just hanging out everywhere (laughs) (laughs) but of course I would say it would be seen as comical and mean and X, Y, like you have to comment on yeah. it, but it's a real like, thing. I've seen it more than once. <laughs> it's yeah, because all the comments that people would be giving to a lot of them, at least mm-hmm. the loudest ones would all be negative, right? Like, yeah, 
No, it would. It'd be fat shaming. It would be, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. I mean, I mean, but to be, but to be honest with this thing, like there, there's a level of where we're trying to make things. It's weird. We're, we're doing these fantasy stories and like fantasy worlds are being created. And then we're trying to bring this element of reality and whatever, you know, X, Y, Z thing. And like, but that's, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know where the right answer is. Uh, I mean, it's like, I look at it like he'd say, like it's a fantasy world, right? Like people want accurate representations, but I really think it's up to the artistic interpretation or the creator, right? Or director, or whoever's making it, right? Like if you're making a game that's meant to be like, like Metal Gear, Metal Gear is a fantasy. It's a freaking, uh, it's, it's this It's basically crazy, anime. Yeah, it's basically enemies. This crazy spy game, you know, with all this fantastic shit in it. Like everybody in that game is fucking beautiful. Like there's not a like who was the, the fucking ugliest person that was in that game was like what the fucking um the old guy from like the first game. I forget his name. He was like him or he Fat was, Man. Yeah, him or Fat Man. Like literally a character just named Fat Man. Fat Man. Yeah. You Laugh. Know? And grow fat. Yeah. You know, but everybody in that game is, is just fucking pretty, right? Mm-hmm. Even Snake himself, he's like, he's this ideal kind of guy. He's a big guy. He's like 6'2". He's like 200-something pounds, but yet he's good at sneaking around and hiding, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and not every guy is going to be fucking 6'2", and fucking 200 pounds, but I'm not going to, you know, cry about... I'm just, no short representation. I mean, like, look at look know. at Dante who runs around with a trench coat and no shirt in DMC three. You know, his yeah. just chest all out and everything, trying to be all sexy. He was being objectified, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's plenty of um, misrepresentation of like male bodies and female bodies out there. Because, like I said, it's all meant to be fantasy. It's meant to sell. Oh yeah, like the right? big giants, like muscular guy is not that way because he worked out a lot. He's that way because you took a shit ton of steroids. Like yeah. the the reality of looking that kind of way, it doesn't. There's a very few limited people, and again, part of the fantasy we're really dealing with genetics. outliers. You got to have really good genetics. So if yeah. we were being honest about it, more than likely, you know, you're not. Especially if your character's normally eating like cheeseburgers and shit like that. They're not gonna be super ripped, you know, like that. You know, so it's um. Without assistance, without steroids, without, you know, extra testosterone and like things like that. So right. uh, that's the like the kind of reality of that. So but in the games and stuff, there's there's a fantasy of it. And I'm not here to say, like, give me my big titty waifu. Like, that's that's not what I'm trying to stand on the soapbox for, per se. But I also don't know if I want to slam every person who decides to make one either. <laughs> right. There's a, lane. there's a lane for each thing. Yeah, that's, I guess, yeah. the the point. And I feel like where on one side we were doing pretty bad where everything was big, curvy, half-dressed woman whenever it was depicted in the, in the game or a lot of times in movies and stuff too. And now we're correcting way on the other side. And there always needs to be a balance. And, I mean, it's good. It's good to kind of self-correct and all. Because the problem is too, we you everything you build now, what's very interesting, I feel like, Everything you build now is kind of 
more so than before. I mean, before it was it was still that, but I feel like it's so much more on the conscious of any creator that of what other people are going to say about it. Right. And that is a big guiding factor of like what's actually going on inside the mind of some creator and like what they actually want to create. It's always oh, going to yeah. hold back or mold or shift. Like, I mean, to be honest, if you get a bunch of white dudes in a room to create a story, more than likely, the first natural inclination of a story they're going to come to is not going to probably involve too many people of other color. Why? Because there's a good chance that they just haven't had a lot of interaction with people of different color. And because of that, they don't really know or have a way to really write a good character or a story that fits what that would be. Or if they do, if there's the one black guy with a bunch of white dudes, that black guy may not be like written in a way that would be the best interpretation that people who live in majority black area would actually is a representation of someone of that, you know? So it all comes tainted in different forms. And so it's good to have a diverse like crew in your writing room and all that kind of stuff to do that. But the problem with that is when you just put a person of a skin color in there, I mean, it really depends also on their walk of life. <laughs> if that person's black and just lived in the suburbs, they have a different interpret they have a different outlook on life than somebody who lived in the projects all their life. Right, exactly. That's two different things, even though they're both black, you know. But I feel like that's not really looked at at all. It's just feeling like checking the box so they can say it to people out loud, uh, you know. And so it all comes on the untainted, whether it's race or even just the sexualization of women or men, for that matter, um, in in art, in movies, and stuff like that. And so. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It came back up with this, with the whole Metal Gear Solid 5 thing. I think there's rumors of the girl played Quiet and 5 doing some other project with Kojima. I mean, there's an article, IGN interviewed her. And, like, of course, Kotaku wanted to take the approach of pulling out the sexualization and stuff. So, yeah. um, But, you know, it's, it's an interesting topic because it, it has changed drastically. And I say, I say for the most part, for sure, it's for the better. You know, for sure. I think it is because it was oversaturated in the other direction for far too long between the 80s and 90s, for sure. Um, with everything. I mean, even in the industry I'm in, you're seeing, I know in the adjacent industry with like alcohol and stuff, they have been switching to a different direction, uh, which Budweiser has paid for <laughs> uh, a bit. You know, it hasn't really gone their way on that. But even Miller has um, done things, done little campaigns of stuff about like, hey, look at us. We're, you know, we're not going to throw a bunch of women on our cans and stuff like that anymore and like sexualize women all over the place like we used to. I can't tell you how many C-stores I've gone into and we just see posters on the wall from like Miller or Bud of just like a woman in a bikini with a beer or some shit like that, you know? So, right. I mean... It was the whole idea that sex sells. And um, it's debatable. I remember when I was in a class in marketing, um, there was some kind of study done. I remember them going over that 
they didn't, at least in this study, and I can't cite the actual study. I don't remember. But the study was trying to say, like, it doesn't sell as much as people like to attribute it to do. Like, I'm sorry. If I see a half-naked lady eating a cheeseburger, it, it doesn't make me want a cheeseburger. You know, like, that just, that, that doesn't right. trigger nothing in me. Right. If I see a, a, a my the main character in the game is some half naked busty woman, that doesn't make me want to play the game, I don't, or watch the movie for that matter. Uh, for me, like it, it, like spend the money for it or whatever, you know. But but I mean, that's me. I mean, some people might. Back in the day, it was harder to come around pornographic material. I think that's why in movies it was such a thing to do, to push that edge. Now that porn is just like at everybody's fingertips for free, it's not that much of a thing to have it in movies and or games for that matter. And I feel like we've seen less of it. They've pulled back a lot of like sex in games. Yeah. They'll do nudity in games and movies. You'll have nudity to a certain degree, but you definitely don't have like sex scenes like that really anymore um every now and then in some shows on netflix or hbo or something you might but it's rarer now than what it was years ago and it's just the shift so um i don't know yeah like even look at god of war <laughs> that was a whole piece in the beginning the god of war you just fucked girls and it was like a mini game <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah flick that left stick yep Basically, yeah, you're right. And now it's all about my son. <laughs> right. Boy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're not doing nothing like that. What? No, not me. So, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I do think we do to some level. I think it needs to go the other direction a tad bit and just kind of balance because it is about i guess you know developing your psyche of the characters there there will be some women and men who are just uh, <laughs> over sexualized type people who put themselves out there on front street more and like and it's a weird thing i guess would be to argue is cuz i almost feel like if you do that like if you make another quiet character again the first thing you're going to have is is you're going to have a whole bunch of people writing articles about oh here we go again sexualizing right. women and trying to disguise it like, well, this is the way she wants to be. But I mean, there, there are people who are like that. So, I mean, it's, it is a, a it isn't an, you know, an argument. If, if one of your characters in there is quiet, who dresses outlandish. And of course it's a fantasy setting. So you kind of push it over the needle a bit more. Right. I don't know. I mean, cause to be fair to Kojima, like the a lot of the other female characters in his game weren't like even look at what was it um in uh, Metal Gear Solid Two, Olga yeah. who became like ninja or whatever. I mean, bro, I remember when she was she uh she first appeared and she like lifted her arms for something and I think they even gave her like some kind of armpit hair. Yeah, they gave her armhead hair. Yeah. yeah, so like he he, I don't think he always just over sexualized women in his game. It was a choice for that character. I don't yeah. know. Like uh, I'm trying to think. Future was a little. I think her name was Future. The um, 
or no, something with luck or something like that. When in RE two, I mean not RE two, but Metal Gear Solid two. Um, who was the the chick that was like lucky, right? Like, um, oh, she uh, was one of the villains. Um, yeah, she. I forget. I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, she wasn't like she was kind of not as sexualized as something like a quiet, but definitely more so than someone like Olga. Yeah. But I do remember Olga being the first like female represented character in, in a game with Metal Gear that's like kinda almost manly ish to a certain degree. So, um I I, I don't know. It, it's kinda I'm trying to think of any other characters because there were other characters that were just over the codec, right? There was like a doctor or Mei Ling and um Snake would flirt with them, but from what they looked like, even over the codec, they were like, you know, dressed fairly like well, like they weren't like represented in this kind of very sexual way. Yeah. But then, then you can go into a locker and look at a yeah. poster of a half naked, you know, a woman in a bikini. So, I mean, there's a mixed bag. Right. But then you, <laughs> and you also have characters like the boss, right? Oh, very that too. Strong, yes. Yeah, very strong female character. Like does not uh, sexualize. And then on the flip side, you had um, uh, well, the she did have the thing where she would do where she'd unzip her 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 yep. freaking battle suit to show her scar because she had that big freaking scar going down the down her. Yes, but it body. wasn't done for like sexualization of anything. It right. Was a, it was you know yes she was, but I'm talking about the other character in the same game. Who was very sexualized, like oh, uh, a- yeah, Eva, Eva, Eva. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that. So, um, yeah, two sides of that that coin there too. That's kind of you know, I, I don't know. I I felt like it was fair. I mean, and the type of character she was, she was like this secret agent type chick who, like, it kind of fit the character of who that was, the way that she presented herself. I don't know. I'm not necessarily going to go to bat and defend that or not. I mean, I don't. I don't really care. Like it was just how the character was. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of interesting as like we you, you dig around at some of the stuff. I think Kojima. I think had a fair. He had an interesting array of female characters that like I don't think all just were like let me show you their tits. Right. Although some of them were, <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, but again, in our world, it it it, it is like this. some of them, some women are that way, and some some aren't. W- what the question is is most of them? No, I don't. I don't think most of them. It's just some, but I don't know. Maybe, who knows? But anyway, um, I don't know. I just thought that would be an article to kind of talk about a bit more before we go ahead and jump over to I think some of the things we've been playing and some of the Alan Wake articles I've got lined up or just stuff from Remedy so uh, before I do that though I do want to get into what you've been playing if anything new um, and spotlight on that with you Mr. Kevin um, anything of note that you want to bring up yeah uh, me and Eric started playing uh, Lords of the Fallen the other day uh, okay cool Mm-hmm. yeah so we uh we just got well he beat the first boss on his game we got we got to beat it in mind now i'm at the first boss which is a lady with a freaking glowing like lightsaber which is so freaking sword um like 
And it took us a couple of tries to beat her in his game. But she's not like too, too hard, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like in the scope of things, like once you get her attack patterns and stuff down, like, yeah, like she's not bad. Um, so far, I've been really enjoying it. I started off with the uh, the Pyromancer guy. He, he's like, his main stat is Inferno. So, he, which is like the two magic stats. There's, uh, I forget what the other one's called. It's like Faith and like Inferno are the two magic stats. So I went with the Inferno one. And I really like the combat in this game. Like it feels, I don't know how to explain it. Like it feels fast. Cause like you kind of move fast. You, uh, the dodge, the dodge roll is a little bit delayed. Um, cause like as soon as you hit the button, it doesn't, um, roll. Like it's got, it's like, I think the game's got, uh, uh queuing, like it queues actions up. So like if you hit the roll button twice, it will roll twice before it let you do anything else. So it actually queues actions. Um, I think that's what it is that kind of makes it delayed. But when you do roll, you kind of roll far. Like it feels almost like a Bloodborne like kind of dodge. Like you like when you would dodge back. Like you couldn't roll in Bloodborne, but when you would dodge back in Bloodborne, like you could get like a good bit of distance. And the roll in this game is kind of the same. Um, I'm probably gonna be making a lot of references to Souls games, not just because you know it's Souls is what we compare all these things to, but this game wears its Souls influences on kind of on its sleeve, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Like you can definitely see the the influence from FromSoft in this remake and um let's see what else um oh uh i could say that's one thing that i like about this game that i think they do better uh about uh than from soft and that's so far that's co-op because co-op in this game when you die in somebody else's world doesn't kick you out and make you have to like summon somebody back and like all that stuff or like when mm. you kill bosses together yeah it doesn't uh, kick you out doesn't... and have to summon back in in the next area yeah, like it's it's uh continuous co-op. Oh, that's which is cool. awesome. Yeah, it's Yeah, I love cool. that. Yeah. Uh so that's good. The uh the parries in this one are a bit different. Like the you can see the Sekiro influence because parries in this one they don't immediately open someone up for a repost. Uh you know, a counterattack. You yeah. have to wear down like their their uh posture. There's a posture system in this game. So, like, you can wear it down either by kicking or by parrying. Uh, parrying blocks damage. Uh, like, it blocks more damage than just blocking does. Because when you block, I kind of feel like blocking is useless in this game. Because when you block, you take a decent amount of chip damage. Like, the game kind of makes it look like they don't want you turtling behind your shield. Right? Yeah. You know? So, I feel like you're better off just learning to parry because the timing isn't that bad. I feel like, like you could learn to do it consistently. It's not that bad. Um, and it blocks a lot more damage and it does, does a lot of posture damage to the enemy. Uh, and it's just better, you know, it's just way better. The other thing is, is that move sets in this game are much more variety. Like, uh, you can press, um, let's see, what was it? I think it's, uh, L1, you could hold L1 and hit R2, and you'll do a multi-hit combo attack. Use some some. It's different for each weapon. Some so far, I've only seen weapons with two hits, and another weapon with like three hits, right? 
But mm. the thing is, is that all moves kind of combo into each other. So you could do like R1, R1, and then like the multi-hit attack, and it would all combo together. Or you could do like an R1 and R2 and R1, and then the multi-hit attack, and it would still combo together, right? Because mm. everything kind of links together. You can really kind of create some combos uh, in this game that can... Seems like they they do a good bit of damage, right? Like they're just standing there spamming R one. One of the day. things I heard about that I was listening to the Nerds podcast and they was talking about this game, Lords of the Fallen. I think one of the recent ones where they cover Spider Man two, and um, they said that with the multi hit attack, it can sometimes lock you in the animation where it can be not as useful to use that because you could end up opening yourself up to attacks. Um, is that something you've noticed or not so much in your playthrough? Yes, because like I said, there is an action queuing. Like the this game does like cues actions up. So like if you hit it, it's going to do it. And the animation has to finish before you would do anything else, right? Unless you uh, combo into another move. Because like, I don't want to, I don't know if I could say this definitively that there's frame canceling in this game. Because it kind of feels like it does with the way some things combo together right yeah but some things feel like they combo together better than others which is you know uh i guess part of kind of discovering like all of the good combos for different weapons and shit yeah um but yeah you are for i guess for more or less uh for anybody that's not like trying to explore the combo system in this game you are more or less locked into the animation of the multi-hit attack and you do have to be careful when you want to use it uh i usually like to use it at the end of my combos uh when it's safe because it's not something you can just throw out there either mm. you know okay um let's see what else about the game um is the story easy enough to follow on it or is it kind of more a uh, vague like a souls game no the story is uh seems much more direct there's actually like not just a, like a lore, like a world lore. There's actually like a plot. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a plot that you follow, and uh, from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing uh, so far, and I know because like I said, we only got to the first boss, is that um, you? I haven't really been paying that much attention to it, but it seems like you. Uh, this world is like inhabited by like different gods and the different fates. And stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah. And you're like, uh, you have this lamp that lets you fight off like demons and shit like that, right? That's like you can go into like the de like the I forget what they call it. I'm blanking on it. But like the other the other realm, like after you die and shit. Um, you can go in there, and when you're in there, uh, there's like. Um, a bar that fills up right because like when you're in there there's this little eyeball and there's like a bar uh around it that fills up as you're in there that that as yeah as you're in there that shit i don't know why i'm blanking on it uh it fills up in your presence like your presence in there mm -hmm. yeah and as it fills up, like the enemies start getting harder, they start respawning more, and there is a, a like a Reaper guy that has these two daggers that shows up when it fills up the whole thing. 
Uh, and like right now at the level I am, when I try to hit him, like I do no damage to it. Like mm. the damage numbers pop up, but I think he's just so strong that I'm not doing really anything to him. And he will pretty much one shot you, like because he's he's really powerful. Uh, but the uh, the balance to that is is that as the bar goes up and as you spend longer in there, you get more souls. Like so you can get a lot of souls because by the time the bar fills up, you're getting double souls for every enemy you kill. Um. So you can actually fill up, you know, you farm souls that way very easily. But you got to kind of be able to uh, survive long enough to, only to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what I can think about for the game. Uh, so you're pretty high on this game so far. Like, it's it's good. Yes, it is, it is very good. Uh, cool. I really want to play a lot more of it. I'm waiting on Eric. I don't want to play without him. Um, I'm probably going to play some more after we get off the podcast because he's uh, we're both off tomorrow, so we're probably okay. going to do that. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I haven't played a whole lot. Uh, oh, no. I Actually, I have. I started the Dead Space remake. Oh, uh, how's that been going for you? Yeah. I, I got it off of uh, Game Pass. Nice. Um, yeah. I got it off of Game Pass for... And it so far I'm at what what part am I at? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I just got the the stasis module. Yeah, the tram. That's it. I just uh, fixed the tram in uh in the first part. So I'm like right around okay. like the middle. From if I'm remembering right the story, I'm like around around the kind of like the middle-ish end uh part of chapter one. Yeah. It, and so far, uh, I'm really liking the. Uh, the remake it feels like it feels a lot like the um the old one mm-hmm. but i can tell like a lot of the, the like the sound redesign and everything it works well because like when you're walking around as isaac and you're doing th- you're kind of like having um you're doing anything intense you can hear isaac's heartbeat in my headphones i can't yeah. i normally like to play with headphones and it creates a very atmospheric thing because it's like you know when you're scared or you're excited or you know your adrenaline's going you can hear your own heartbeat in your freaking ears so it's good for atmosphere and then a lot of the ambient sounds and everything like it's a lot that i remember and then i mean the game looks great yeah yeah um yeah i can't wait to, to jump back in and then play some more of that too so yeah i'm really enjoying the remake so far that's cool yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. It was a good playthrough. Um, it really recaptures a lot of the moments and things from the first one, but it's definitely just looks better, cleaner, you know, all that good stuff. Great, it's a great remake. It's definitely a great remake. So, um, yeah, you're gonna enjoy that. Yeah. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Um, you didn't get around to trying Liza P on uh, no, Game Pass. Not yet. Not yet. So I played a little of it. Um, uh, I took my Xbox with me on uh, my trip out um, to Mississippi. Um, I'm actually making another trip out around too, so I might do more. Um, Liza P's good. Um, it's really good. I haven't gotten too, too deep into it though to really give it a good um, analysis of it. Um, but it's 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 good. I mean... it's hard for me. I've heard the nerds really talk so highly on it and I'm not quite there yet on it 
just because I haven't gotten far enough to really see some of the other features or, or pieces to this that I've heard them talk about, about the customization of weapons and things like that. So, and uh, I'm taking my time with it. I'll, I'll probably be trying to play it. I, I don't even know how much I'll get around to playing it because my kids were fussing me for bringing my Xbox. So, fuck. I don't know. I might bring my PlayStation this time. Um, we'll see. But anyways, um, but it, it is really cool. I, I think it's such a good idea um, the way they kind of did this. Uh, the mechanic seems kind of cool about, you know, lying to characters or telling them the truth and it having some kind of impact on your game. I've heard that it has a pretty significant impact as you go on. You can even, like, not have a boss fight or something or a few uh, interactions or whatever like that based on how you handle it. So... Um, it does kind of vary into how the story and you know unfolds, so that's really cool. Um, I'm excited to get more into it. I, I'd rather go through Lies of P before I try. Lord, in fact, I don't know when I'll get around to Lords of the Fallen. I mean, I will at some point, but for now, um, for a Souls like, I'm gonna go Lies of P for now, especially since it's on Game Pass. So, I mean, you have it right there. Um, so that that's that's one I just quickly kind of mentioned. Um, uh, I already talked a bit about Mortal Kombat at the top. I don't really have much more to say on that. Um, what you call it? Shit. Um, Evil West is what I've been playing with my brother. God damn, that's a broken game. That oh yeah, so fucking jank ass. If that game is 10 bucks, maybe get it. Uh, you might have fun playing with a friend. There is a fun game there. There is something kind of fun there, but it's definitely not worth a ton of your money. If it's on pass for free or something like that, maybe. There's a fun little hacky slashy kind of. like I do like the melee system. It's a melee-focused fighting system built with like these kind of gun you know like guns and stuff used in it too but the guns are so like kind of low scaled in power you you'd more wanted to get get in there and like punch vampires and punch monsters but use is that why I saw you punching a lot well, yeah it's not just because like I like to punch things like it's it's because it's the system the system in it is built around a melee combat focus with guns as kind of like the a piece because like all your guns have infinite ammo so there's no ammo collection right but the ammo is infinite based on like the, the the drawback to it is like like the pistol you can one two three four five six it doesn't really do much damage it's just like a tag on to you can get close to to start striking right the rifle after you shoot about five rounds you kind of got to wait for the bullets to recharge so you can't just keep firing with a rifle and you more want to use it at points where you can interrupt an attack from an enemy. And it'll do a, a significant, mo a bit more damage than normal by doing that. Um, different things like that. The flamethrower is kind of a nice crowd control thing. But again, once you use, you use up the ammo of it, it takes a while for it to recharge. So you want to pick your times. Um, so it's kind of built on those systems. The game play of it is actually pretty fun. If it was just cleaner and tighter, it, I think it would be a great game. But it's just, 
drowned in like bugs and glitches and uh you know it it would be a great like double a game it was one of those games that feels like it's more than an indie and was trying to go for that triple a title status um but it you know fell short a bit it's a great b movie cheesy like the the story of it everything's very cheesy and stupid it's not something it's just kind of a funny little thing the acting is over the top. There's some moments that are just kind of silly and funny. Like, it's kind of fun to see some of the cutscenes. It's goofy as fuck. Um, but no, by no means any great masterpiece of anything. And I don't think it's trying to be. But if it just had a... If they just worked better on cleaning up the actual game, I think it would be at least worth a solid, like, 30 bucks. In the state that it's in, I really wouldn't suggest getting this for more than 10 yeah, like it's just <clears throat> it sucks because um I, I would like to see it do more. I just want to see games in general do better. So it sucks that, that this is kind of held back a bit. Um, but Evil West is a game I've been playing. I'm gonna stick it through to the end because it's been fun to play with my brother. We've been having fun just kind of laughing at the game and, and the kind of state it's in. I mean, it's not so broken that it's unplayable. You can play through it and fine. But there's been a couple times we've had to quit and restart because it glitched out like one time there's a thing when you play multiplayer where both of you, there are certain points where both of you have to be there for the interaction to happen and we were both there and my brother ropes over and then it glitched out and i couldn't rope over so then i just had to watch him as he tried to fight everybody and when he died he died he didn't he wasn't able to survive and make it I'm just stuck on the other side now. I can't go revive him. I can't do anything. I had to turn the game off and restart, invite him in and stuff to get it running. That's just like an example, right? So, yeah, it's um, it's kind of a mess there. But, uh, you know, it's something. I, I don't know. If, you, if it comes up on a Game Pass thing, I think it, it could be something to check out for people who are just looking for something kind of dumb, fun to, to play through and whatever, but... Um, yeah. Um, so let me pause right quick. Okay. And then uh, when I come back, we'll get into Alan Wake. All right. All right. All right. Let me pause. With the song here. Can you hear that? I think that's not coming through the headsets. Hold on. Sorry, listeners. Technical difficulties did not work the way I wanted it to. Uh, let's do this. Let's do. All right, there we go. I'm recording now. It looks like. Whoops, technical difficulties. Ah, technical difficulties. But I think we got it. All right, tell me if you can hear this, Kev. You hear that? Yeah. You hear that? Okay. Oh, it was like chopping. You can hear it good now? It's low now. I'm going to turn it up a little bit. Yeah, it's true and fair to
All right. So I have this little on in the background. Cap. <laughs> Alan Wake 2's been a ride, bud. <laughs> Dude. So this is a horror game. I would say kind of close to almost a Silent Hill type thing. But <sighs> there's a scene in here. And... Uh, Mild spoilers for Alan Wake 2, but this is not really anything for the story. Um, but so right now it's just a song. If y'all want to skip ahead, whatever. But it's fairly early on in the game. There's a scene where you switch to Alan Wake. So I was playing with an old girl for the full while, right? And uh, you flip between in this game Saga and Alan Wake. And you can choose who you want to play with, one or the other. And I did this on stream, and I was playing with Saga, and it's like you're in the in the forest, you're going through this amusement park, and it's very dark and whatever. And I'm like, let me go ahead and switch to Alan Wake because I've been playing with Saga for a while. And I get into this part, and this song cranks on, and it's a fucking musical where. It's a live performance, live actors performing, and you're playing this video game Alan Wake, walking through like a set where this song is playing, and it's this whole musical number they're doing, and then like there's like darkness enemies coming at you, and you're shooting and fighting through, and they're doing this whole song and dance about the darkness and shit, and it is the craziest shit. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fucking great, dude. Like, it is hilarious. And, like, it just kind of speaks to the weird nature of Alan Wake, too. Like, fuck, man. They're really killing it in this game so far for me. It is, um, been really good playing this. So, to back up some, Alan Wake 2 just recently came out. Uh, I'm not very, very far in it. I'd say I'm maybe, I think maybe a quarter in it. So, you know, I've been putting some time in it. I think I got like 10 hours in it. Um, And I think it's a fairly long game. Um, I'm thinking somewhere around 20, 30 hours, which is actually pretty long for like when you look at Resident Evil games of the nature and they're like 10 to 15. Right. So like that's a pretty, you know, substantial time. Um... And uh, so, uh, with that being said, um, fuck, man, they're really, they're really going for it. This is a fairly ambitious outing for Alan Wake, especially when you look at it compared to the first one. Um, so, like, dude, at three hours in, I run into a room. I think I'm playing with Alan Wake. No, I think Saga, too. No, I'm playing with Alan Wake, and I fucking run into Ati. So if you don't what? know who that is, Ati is the janitor from fucking Control. And he is in the dark place, like, telling me, you know, the weird things, like how he did in Control, being very vague, but giving me some kind of, like, guidance on shit. And then when Saga's playing, like, Ati, the janitor, has, like, a band. And, like, he's singing, like, um, 
uh, karaoke or something in this thing, and he's got like some other members with him and stuff, and it's Ati and the janitors. They're like a song, a music group. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. Uh, I ran into a guy who, who works for the FBC, and he was like fixing up some kind of device. So at the Federal Bureau of Control. So like they're fucking going all in, tying control in. Like 100% off the bat, early on in the game. There's like documents you find about some weird like government group that's been around town and it's the FBC. Um, like they're they're taking I, I don't think there's been a real a many, if any, games that have taken like separate IPs that they've created and create like a connected universe in this way. You've seen sequels and things like that. But and you got Resident Evil that's kind of like built different games that are all connected in the same world, but not, yeah, not like this. I feel, um, where these are straight up different IP. Like Control is its own thing, but it's also connected into the universe of Alan Wake. Alan Wake was done years ago, and now they're doing a two that's connected to Control, and like they're also bringing in fucking like Max Payne, man, like fuck dude like and it's not they're not necessarily straight up saying it's max Payne, but god damn it if it alex casey didn't show up in the same fucking outfit that max Payne wears and they got the same voice actor and face model for a max Payne, it's the same fucking dude i see him pop up in new york city where i'm at and like you end up shooting him in an altercation and he's dead on the street and he's got the fucking little tie and the brown coat like it's fucking Max Payne. But they're calling him Alex Casey in this and he's a character that um, Alan Wake writes in his stories. That he's like the main protagonist for Alan Wake's stories. And it's straight up Max Payne. So... um. With this too, there's the news that Max, the remakes of Max Payne one and two are in production right now. So they're remaking Max Payne, and I'm wondering if these remakes might even have some kind of ties into Alan Wake and Control and whatever. Granted, with Max Payne, there wasn't really anything too too supernatural. There was always like hints of it. But it was built around like, you know, like a drug that was built by this major company that like, you know, fucked with people and, you know, you had some kind of weird shit you would see and experience and all this stuff and whatever. So um, I'm interested to see where it goes, but like they're fucking like tying in all their shit together in this one game. It's It's been fantastic. Um, it The game mechanics of it play a lot like a Resident Evil game, like the remakes the like over the shoulder thing, but they have their whole, you know, you hit, you use the flashlights and then you shoot, you shoot enemies and you got to shine off the darkness with some enemies. And, um, there's some like play with that, uh, as far as like the foundation of it, right. Um, of how to play, but they definitely lean harder into some of like the puzzles and things like that. Like silent Hill does. um, I was reading an IGN article that is an opinion piece that was saying like Alan Wake 2 is the Silent Hill game that we've been waiting for, you know, 
is kind of what they've been writing about. It's kind of, I guess, what's been the talk on like this. You know, you're in this city and it's like dark and like misty and stuff, kind of like how Silent Hills are. And you're going through and then things pop out at you, but it's also very slow and methodical. It's not necessarily always, like especially with Saga, like it's not as action-centered. It's more investigative, puzzling, and things like that. So far has been my experience. And then when you switch to Alan Wake, it's been a little more shooting and you get more enemy interaction that pop up on you and a little weirder and stranger. Um which is is an interesting way of kind of giving you different like kind of gameplay stylings with two characters instead of just being like, uh, oh, they both have guns and flashlights and do shit and then it's the same shit, right? Um, with with Saga, you go to her mind place and you're piecing together clues that you pick up to create you know narratives and solve cases that come up and and you know, all this kind of stuff, which is really fun. Um, to kind of like piece together and like get the story as you go. Um, Alan Wake is writing a story. So there'll be moments like there was a, there was one of the spots I was in early on down in, in, in the New York area. And you go down to a subway station. And in this subway station, there were scenes that you would find. And like you'd be like, okay, the plot device is FBI agent. And then you would, all right, let me write it out that I run into this FBI agent. And then, boom, it would change the layout of the place. And then you'd be like, oh, okay, what if we change the scene? And instead of FBI agent here, it's it's uh, it's the cultists. The cultists are here. Boom. And then the scene completely changes. And sometimes you find different items and like or open up new pathways that you couldn't go to before. Um which is a really cool way to play with the idea of you writing the story while stuck in this dark place. Because that's the kind of narrative that Alan Wake is stuck in the dark place trying to get out and he's trying to write his way out. And so you're actually then like in the, in the game's own way, like writing your way out. Um, Really cool stuff, man. I mean, it's um very different for like a survival horror type game. Um, like it's it's really great, man. They're they're really killing it. I didn't expect it to be this good. Um, yeah. you know, I thought it'd be kind of your run of the mill remedy games. So far, like I like that they've copied a bit on Resident Evil. It feels like they took the Resident Evil game, like the play style, and stuck it into a Silent Hill game. That's that's kind of what it almost feels like. If that makes sense. Um, very interesting stuff, man. Um, but it still has its own take on things, right? It's not quite Silent Hill. Um, and it's not quite Resident Evil. Um, I've come into two boss fights. And they were like... They were okay. Um, they did little different things to make them stand out. One of the gripes I've always had kind of with Remedy is I feel like... They don't really nail it when it comes to building bosses that really pull together your resources to overcome and are interesting, like, set pieces. They look like they're trying to do more with the boss fights in this. Boss fights in this. I've come against two, but they're not, like, anything that really stands out yet. But, again, I'm early on. So I'm curious to see how that 
might evolve and change. Um, but it is not as like in the first Alan Wake, you would just run through the woods and then they would just throw enemies at you and then you would just shine lights and shoot. And it got kind of repetitive over time. In this one, there's that, but the enemies feel a little more unique. You'll run across wolves that have a different way of running and attacking than like, you know, uh, a standard enemy that might come lumber at you or whatever. Or then there's these like, these projectile throwing buddies they like might throw axe and stuff at you and they're fast and they're like run around real fast so they're hard to keep track of and you got to try and get them and then they'll even sometimes come in pairs and so then that like so they're giving you and and with the slower pace of it it's not just constant enemies coming so you'll run across these or a mixture of these at points and have to handle these situations as they come which kind of give it more of a unique feeling of like kind of dealing with whatever situation then just kind of like, uh, here's a bunch of guys, some are big, some are small and shine the light and shoot. Cause that, that was kind of the gist of the first Alan Wake. So it feels like they're definitely taking time to build more thought into the like gameplay of it as well as just cause the first Alan Wake did a great job nailing atmosphere, like world building, and the story and everything was really like good stuff, right? That that's where it really shined. Yeah. The gameplay of it was where it really kind of like meandered. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like great. And it got stale after a while. Um control was a little of that too, where control was I think better gameplay styles than Alan Wake. Like it's fun. I think it's good. Um, but it's still not like great. Like there's interesting ideas in control that they did that is like, it's really solid and it's good, uh, better, but it's, it didn't really give you enough. I feel of the diversification of like enemy types and things to really like push that over to be like a really great gameplay game. But what Control did great, what Alan Wake does great, is just the world building, the atmosphere, like all that kind of stuff it really nails. This is no different. Is nailing like the atmosphere, the the story, the world building, like the characters, seeing the characters from the first one, like it's jumping straight off from where the first one ended. Like, and where you talk about the dicks, yes. You open up with Nightingale, and he's butt-ass naked, man. You're just seeing some male, some big old old man cheeks running around. You you are controlling it, too, so you run around as a naked man. And it's like how you start the game is you're playing naked Nightingale, who was kind of, he wasn't the villain of one, but he was one of the uh, antagonists in the game. He was an FBI agent that was like, for sure he thought Alan Wake was just murdering people and was like the problem in the town. So he was always kind of coming after you. But like he ended up getting stuck in the dark place at the end of Alan Wake 1 with Alan uh. Wake. And so it opens with you, from what it looks like, it opens with you getting out of the dark place. And that's kind of where it kicks off. And you play as Nightingale and he's naked. 
And once he gets whatever, you know, when stuff happens, yeah, you get a lot of good dick shots of old Nightingale. So <laughs> uh, those do come your way for sure. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, but overall, like, I mean, fuck, man, Alan Wake has been really good. Uh, it's boosted sales in, in uh, Alan Wake Remastered, apparently. And I think that there's been reports now of them, I think, breaking even on the cost of the remaster. And I imagine right. it'll probably start turning a profit after a while, too, as Alan Wake 2 kind of gets more press around it and grabs hold. Um, yeah. I hope... the, the, first, the first game didn't sell that well. It's kind of a cult classic, huh? Yeah, I want to say it is. I don't think it did that great, but I don't know how much went into it either, so I don't know if they made out or not with the first one. I'm assuming not because it's been so long since they put out Alan Wake 2 that I imagine um, they banked a lot behind what they did with maybe Quantum Break, which I don't think that one did great either, and no. Control, which I think Control did well, I think. I don't think it did fantastic, but I think it did well. Yeah, I'm thinking think Alan Wake. Yeah, I think it did pretty well because uh, yeah. there was a lot of talk around control when it yeah. came out. Yeah. yeah, there was. And now there's a lot of talk around Alan Wake too. I mean, again, like there's an IGN article out trying to claim that it's the it. They're basically trying to compare this to PT, saying this is what this is the closest we'll ever get to PT. Is kind of what they're trying to say in that article. Whether or not that's true, and I'm not gonna. I can't really say. I never even played PT, so I don't know if I ever get a console that I'm able to get that to be able to, to be able to do that with. But um, I, I have seen some stuff with PT. Um, I mean, this does feel silent hilly. There's a, there's a couple things you can take from Alan Wake Two and compare. It feels like they really took from Silent Hill and Resident Evil, some of the top horror games in the genre, and like kind of built something like inspired from that. I don't feel it's like straight up copycat in that though. It does feel like its own thing too. Uh, I think Remedy's very talented at world building and building characters and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it really shows. So um, it's... It's really good, man. If if you're into survival horror, this is something you really need to, you know, check out. And I think as people fall in love with this, I can see them going back and getting like, oh, let me get the remaster. And, oh, let me get control if I didn't get that. Because, like, it's so heavily referenced. Like, the Max Payne connection is fairly loose. But it is there. It, it's there. It, but not enough to where, like, you need to go back and play Max Payne. Like, no. It's just like they, they're having fun with that character. It's great for people who've been fans of the series to see that. Just kind of see it all come together. Um, really cool. But any story beats or anything from Max Payne are kind of irrelevant. At least at this point. I mean, I don't fucking know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> down the road, we might just straight up Max Payne comes out. And I'll lose my shit for sure. But, um, yeah, like it's it's really doing really cool stuff on that. And like it's just straight up building off of control, and and I didn't think it'd be as direct, but it is like direct, like off control. And I didn't play the DLC for Control, so I'm trying to. I was doing another playthrough of Control, and uh, once I do that, I'm definitely gonna play the DLC 
after I'm done Alan Wake 2, I'm going to go back to Control and play through that. Because the DLC really tied into Alan Wake 2. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see what that was. Okay. And um, like kind of put yeah, all of it to, together. I need to finish that DLC because I only played about half of it. Yeah. So uh, I'm very interested to go back to Control and do that. And I'd imagine many people uh, now might be like, oh, fuck, let me go check this Control out. Oh, that's the other thing. So, um, so the control references here. So, Ati the janitor is straight up in the game. Um, what else is in the game is? Do you remember the Oceanic Motel? Yeah. Yeah, the Oceanic Hotel is in Alan Wake too. Ah. And so it's a play off of that, um, which is cool. I haven't seen any light switches that I click three times to teleport me anywhere, but I'm waiting. It might be there. <laughs> but that was cool to see like that straight up, like basically a linked reference there between because the Oceanic Motel was a pretty big thing and uh, control. So uh, to see that kind of poke its head up here. And I don't feel like I'm giving too big spoilers on anything. This is still fairly early on Alan Wake 2. So if anybody's upset with a spoiler that I gave, I'm sorry. Um but there's so much more in this game, and there's some I'm dancing around to not say that, um, you know, yeah, I think for sure that, you know, you'll, a lot of people will love it. Um, it's just great to see these references to the other games and them building out a world with their other games in this way that's really, that's really cool. The only one I don't know is I don't know, I've, I've, I don't know what Quantum Break references, if any, are in here. I've heard there are. I think I heard Control reference it. I think somebody said that. I've never played Quantum Break. I'll probably try and give that a go. But that's a weird one. Because I've heard that Quantum Break is straight up like, play the game for like an hour, and then sit down to watch a 30-minute episode. Yeah. Like, they, they tried to blend this concept of like like a show and a game in one and do that. And I don't know how effective it was. It got decent reviews. I don't think it was like completely shitted on, but it didn't. It didn't really move the needle in any way for Remedy, I think. Um, but like, I do like that that a studio is like trying different shit and seeing what you know sticks. So um, that's that's pretty cool. Like, I do appreciate. I, I like studios that are trying to do things. And one of the other things they said, they made an, an uh, another thing. I think in um, I don't think that's an announcement as much as something that was heard in like um, maybe a financial call or business planning meeting or something like that, where they allowed the public to sit in if you want or something like that because it's a public traded company, um, or some or they're associated with that. I don't I don't know for sure. It's just there's an I, I can maybe see if I, I thought I saved the article. Uh, let me see. But they said. That apparently one of the claims is that they're saying that Control 2 is a highly ambitious sequel. Which has me like, well, fuck. With this being as uh, ambitious as it looks, um, what the fuck are you calling ambitious with Control? <laughs> right. <laughs> Control 2, I mean. Um because, uh, I mean, Control's pretty, like, it's already, um, 
like kind of a wild game, right? Like, it's a wild game, but I wouldn't call it ambitious because yeah. I feel like it's still a game that I've seen. Like, oh, you have your guns and you you can fly around, you shoot, and like there's systems in place that are there. The thing that's really cool is yeah. just like, you know, the the documents you read are actually interesting, but like there's nothing about it that feels like super ambitious and different like yeah alan wake 2 is like the musical thing like was like whoa you know that's that's like an ambitious because it's really weird and silly but it it weirdly works in how they've built out what alan wake is going through and doing that like i don't go you just ruined my horror game right like it's like oh this was a cool weird thing to go to before then now i'm in some other area that's a lot more like in that vein of like horror and tension building and it does a good job of that it does like you'll go into places because you're in the dark place they'll have these parts where you loop around like saga had one where she loops around this area kind of over and over but little changes start happening as you loop through and it kind of builds into the tension and, and the horror of what you're experiencing on it, which is pretty well done, I thought. Um, there are different things like that that happen that are really good. Um, but like, and th- th- but with Alan Wake 2 so far, this does feel like something ambitious. Like there are things they're doing with like rewriting scenes and the plot thing and all that that feel like they still feel kind of safe. It's like, it feels different. I don't know if I'd say I've never seen this before. Because I feel like there's been some people have done something close to this. But to see it done in the way it's done in like a, in, in like a survival horror game like this, I do feel is a fairly different uh, thing. And I do feel it's pretty ambitious what they went for with Alan Wake 2. So far what I'm experiencing. And it seems like it paid off. Uh, control, not so much yet. You know, so I'm curious to see what they're considering ambitious for two. Um, let's see, Alan Wake remastered. Going back to the articles talking about things, they're saying that it's recouped its development and marketing cost around two years after it launched. The revamped version of Alan Wake debuted in October 2021, and according to developer Remedy, managed to break even during the third quarter of the current fiscal year. So it took a while for them to just break even on that one and that was just a remaster it wasn't a full remake they just remastered it um they shared the fiscal report in the third quarter september 30 2023 uh the quarterly revenue decreased by 1.1 percent the company also recorded a loss of 5.5 million which uh or 5.8 million actually for american dollars which is significantly higher than the 3.3 million loss it reported in q3 last year the Remedy CEO said that's because the studio has been investing more in our ongoing game projects than ever before. In the short term, this has a negative effect on revenue, profitability, and cash position. So there, this studio is making bets to try and like, and this will make or break the studio, I think. Because if these things don't pay off with what they're doing, there won't be any more Remedy. It'll probably get absorbed by something else, right? Hmm. But... I- yeah, I don't think I don't know uh, if that'll happen. Uh, I, mean, I don't think it's, it's that big of a comp. I, they don't have that much going into it. I think 
So, yeah. like, as far as, like, that much to really build on. Like, a lot of Remedy titles, like Control and Alan Wake. Like, even Control, it did well. But it wasn't, like, groundbreaking as far as sales numbers and figures and stuff like that, I don't think. And I these titles themselves are fairly niche in the gaming industry. Like, they're, you know, a little bigger than, like, an indie for sure, right? Uh, and they're, like, these kind of AAA-style type games. Um but they don't have like the type of following I feel off of at least not yet. I mean, after this Alan Wake two, they might garner a nice following like a Resident Evil or Silent Hill or whatever. I feel like it's a little rockier with that. You know, they don't have like the Final Fantasy or like the they don't have the franchise hold like that. Right? Alan Wake has one game. Max Payne is the longest running one. It has like three. Control has one game. Quantum Break one game. So now Alan Wake has two. Um, I'm trying to think of any other games. They might have a few other little ones they've done that they're probably bringing in revenue or whatever, but like they don't, I, I can't think of anything that's like the banger, right? Now Alan Wake 2 is tying all these like one off games together in a universe, which is very fascinating. It's an interesting play, and I'm hoping it pays off. It's looking like it is, but the other projects in the works. They have a games-as-a-service codenamed Vanguard and a co-op multiplayer title and control spinoff, Condor, the latter of which is now ready to enter production. So they say we have acquired, quote, we have acquired valuable insights into developing service-based games and are now in a better position to create a game players can engage with for years, discussing Condor. So, hmm. So they're kind of going in that direction in one area. As for Alan Wake 2, they said it's too early to talk about sales figures, but it's evidently pleased with how the title's performing critically. Um, so, yeah. And they're expecting some long-term sales out of that, for sure. So that's kind of the where they're at right now on that. Let's see. Was there something else on that? I wanted to see the quote. Oh, they're also doing Max Payne 1 and 2 Remake, which we said. And it looks like they're also working with Rockstar that are going to kind of finance it as a publisher, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they're working with Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption Company Rockstar under a new publishing agreement to remake the first two Max Payne games for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X and S. Huh, interesting. Yep. Which Rockstar did the same. They did the same thing for Max Payne 3. They they financed that. So, um, let's see. The Max Payne remakes will also be developed on Remedy's Northlight game engine. The same that's used for Control and this Alan Wake 2. Um, yeah, they're... Oh, so the original Max Payne games were also a result of a partnership between Remedy and Rockstar. So Rockstar's always had it. Rockstar also handled the development. So Rockstar did the development in the publishing of Max Payne 3, I believe. Where 1 and 2, I think Remedy did the development. And um, Rockstar just did the publishing. They say here, Control 2, meanwhile, continues in the proof of concept stage. Quote, The plans for this sequel are ambitious. And we have seen good progress both in the designs and in the game build. Uh, we will continue at this stage for the next few quarters. We focus on proving the identified. We focus on proving the identified key elements before moving to the next stage and scaling up the team. Condor is going to be a four-player co-op spinoff of Control, and it'll be co-published with Five Hundred Five Games. 
so that's going to be uh, one uh, four-player co-op spin. I'm curious to see what that is because it's, it's going to be in the world of control. Um, uh, hmm. And Codename Vanguard, uh, the Remedy is defining the next stage of this project with the publisher Tencent. Quote, at the same time, the project is aiming towards completing the proof of concept stage by the end of the year. Vanguard is a free-to-play cooperative PvE shooter that combines Remedy's narrative expertise and action gameplay into an immersive multiplayer experience. That's kind of interesting because I don't think there's been a lot of great free-to-play co-op things like that that have good narratives behind it. And Remedy's, that's their thing, is like building good like story narratives in their games so i'm wondering if that'll pay off at all for them and 10 cents publishing that apparently so um interesting yeah that's what's kind of on the uh the front there for remedy and what they're doing with a lot of their titles um so i'm uh i'm definitely really interested um yeah I'm I'm very interested to see where they go. Alan Wake Two's been a blast so far, and uh, I'm looking forward to um, you know beating it and giving a full review and thought on it. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's great. Now, I'm glad this came out, and, and I can kind of wait for Silent Hill Two remake to come out next year. Like, fine, this came out. I'm good. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's um, it's really cool. I mean, I really enjoy Control, so it's really fun to see this come out and be something so different. Because I felt like you could look at Control and Alan Wake 1, and the gameplays are fairly similar there. There's an evolution for sure. Control's a more evolved and a little more complex and interesting gameplay of a game than Alan Wake is. But... um. It's a similar type of like third person run around shoot uh, enemies as they kind of pile in. It's very similar in that. And the Island Wake 2 just completely shifts its gameplay into something completely like fairly different, I'd say. Not completely different, but you know, different. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. If I, I hope you get around to playing it, man. It's just some wild shit in this game. It's Maybe eventually. Uh, it's definitely worth a lot of shit that I need to play. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, that's the thing. With so many good things out, I hope Alan Wake gets the sales and the numbers and stuff. I, I hope people really come out for it. It seems like it. It seems like a lot of people are showing interest and the, the critics are really raving about it. Um, I, I hope it is. I mean, I'm here for it. It's been fucking fantastic. So, um. I probably will bring my PlayStation with me just so I could do some more Alan Wake on the road. Cause uh, fuck, man, um, I'm really just enjoying myself. Um, but anyway, um, that's about it for me on what we've been playing. We're not gonna do a losing lives this episode. Uh, we'll definitely come back with it next, and we'll do um, Resident Evil Death Island, and then after that, I think we might do uh, Five Nights at Freddy. So, because uh, that movie just dropped in theaters, actually. So, and it's on uh, streaming. It's on Peacock. So, I think you should be able to easy enough get a copy of it if you want. 
Um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, but those will be some of the losing lives we do next. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it, Mr. Kevin. Do you have anything else you want to comment or speak on before we vamanos? No, I think we uh we covered everything we needed to. Mm-hmm. All righty, sir. Well, everybody listening, thank you. I appreciate y'all, and uh, look forward to another episode soon. I hope everyone had a good Halloween, and um, yeah, that's it. Bye bye. See you later.